Alrighty, hello and welcome to the Hearth and Hatch podcast. My name is Amberly, and I am Margot, and we are very happy to have you here today. So we have a very special guest with us today. He is the author of a very successful book titled American Brujeria, available now, and has an upcoming book titled The Witch's Guide to the Paranormal, available soon. Uh, he also does tarot readings as well as other psychic and healing services and is the co-host of the successful podcast, Invoking Witchcraft. He is known as Oregon Woodwitch on Instagram and Witch Oregon on Twitter. Please welcome the distinguished J. Allen Cross. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, thank you. For, thank you for coming. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. Uh, would you like to tell us or start off by telling us a little bit about yourself or some details about your craft or both? Sure. Um, so I am a person who, as you might have guessed from some of my social media handles, I'm in Oregon, um, born and raised here and absolutely love living in the state, lived kind of all over in it. And um, my craft is uh, mostly folk magic kind of mostly kind of like a Christian Catholic folk magic, which throws people off a little bit. Um, but also we kind of get into the devilry as well. So I, I always like a good, well-rounded approach to the magic. Nice. As it should be. Nice and balanced. Absolutely. So we're going to do our usual little spiel in the beginning of our episodes where we go around and talk about what we're drinking and reading. Amberly, or should we start with Jay? Uh, yeah, Jay, what yeah. are you drinking? What are you drinking? You know, this morning I thought I would surprise my liver, and so I'm drinking some water. Oh. <laughs> Very exotic drink here. Yeah, so I am drinking the water. I thought, you know what? Hydration, it's key. It's important. It keeps you young. It does. Yes. Absolutely. It does. Water is No alive. judgment here. You know, coffee is made with water. <laughs> ah, yes. I had one of those as well this morning. I got one of those cold brew, but didn't read that it's like two times the amount of a normal cup of coffee. So I'm extra excited to be here this morning. Oh, oh great. Nice. Super caffeinated. <laughs> That's funny. Marco, what are you drinking? Uh, so I... Backwoods Brews Botanicals did it again. She sent me Maypole. I love it. It's so good. It is, uh, so it is made with dandelion root, calendula, damiana, rose, mugwort, safflower, ruibos, hibiscus, and edible glitter. And it is like shiny and beautiful and it tastes like may. And I put it in my don't be a twat waffle mug because it just felt like the right, <laughs> the right message for today. Wonderful. <laughs> for myself as well as everyone else. That's right. <laughs> Too bad it didn't work, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, not for you, but for yeah, you know, things, your morning. Things still <laughs> kept going really wrong. Horrible. I blame Mercury. How about Fair. you? Um, well, I knew that you were going to be drinking that, which is <laughs> so I chose something different because I was going to drink that, but I was like, no, nah, Margo will do it. Uh, that is a great tea. Really I am yummy. actually drinking tea chino, vanilla nut, dandelion. Uh, I am obsessed with this stuff. I am obsessed with it. I actually really love the coconut flavor and it just got delivered. I'm so excited because I was out. All right. I need to buy this because I've- You do. It's it's amazing. I've been just hearing so many good things about it. So basically it's a tea that tastes like coffee. So for some of us who have to stop drinking coffee early in the morning or else we will jitter ourselves into a crazed state, tea chino apparently is like tea that gives you the same coffee flavor. Yeah, it's made with dandelion root, roasted dandelion root, and chicory, and it's so, so good. I'm surprised I liked it because I really don't like chicory coffee, but this is amazing. 
All right. What are we reading? What are you reading, Jay? So I am a fairly avid reader of fiction. I really like horror fiction a lot. So I've done a lot of Stephen King recently, but I have just picked up from the library Chuck Wendig's The Book of Accidents. And I'm very excited about it. I'm only a few chapters in and it's off to a great start. So we'll see where it goes. The reviews were all over the place. Um, Some of them were, uh, this is the best book ever. And some of them were like, oh, dear Lord, I cannot believe somebody put something like this in a book, could never pick it up. And so I'm like, excellent. Yeah, that just that sounds like a book I would love to read. That just makes you want to find out why it's so polarizing. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I need to know. Um, yeah. It's a pretty big book itself, but it's, it's a pretty easy read. So I'm, I'm getting through it fairly quickly. Cool. That's Very awesome. cool. How about you, Margo? I also love the horror genre, but I am uh, starting Air Magic by Estrella Taylor. During the winter, I was cracking into Earth Magic. Uh, now that the whole series is out, I decided to read along with the seasons. So I'm only just starting out in it, so I I can't speak too much about my overall feelings of the book, but I am excited because, you know, the correspondence of spring and air. So I feel like I'm really leaning into that by cracking this open. Nice. Very cool. And you, Amberly? So I actually have two. I just finished it, so I'm not reading it now. But I finished yesterday, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. (laughs) And that was the most amazing book I've I've listened to in a long time. I listened to it on audiobook because I was gardening all weekend. But oh my word. And they're doing a movie adaptation that's coming out this summer. So hopefully it will do the book justice. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm in a book club. We actually started our book club right before COVID. When we our first book club meeting was in a coffee shop. And every book club meeting since then has been on Zoom because it was oh. right as COVID was beginning. But Where the Crawdads Sing was the very first and it really touched my heart. Yeah. If it doesn't touch your heart, you you have no soul. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want I to talk about my other book is Pure Magic oh. by Judica Isles. It just came out from Wiser Books and it's, it's pretty amazing because it just kind of helps you develop your own spells, which I know you know, we've gotten pretty good at, but it's a great tool for that. So I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it much, very much. I love her. Jay, I listen to your podcast, by the way. I love your podcast. Uh, I believe you have said before that she is an editor of yours. Yes. So she is my Wiser editor. So all of my books that come out through Wiser pass through Judica first, which I kind of love having someone who is a very well-informed witch (laughs) kind of look over my stuff before it goes out, make sure that my hair is combed and my shirt is tucked in before (laughs) I go out there. It's it's very nice to have that. Nice. Nice. Okay. So speaking of your podcast, I have some notes. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to be looking down a minute because I want to... So yeah, I think you and Britton Boyd, you make a great team. I love it. I discovered it about a year ago, I guess. Oh and gosh, I can't believe it's been out that long. Already. Yeah, yeah. And right off the bat, absolutely loved it. One of the reasons why I love Witchy Podcasts is they really provide some insight into other people's practices. Even if those individuals try to like, you know, keep a lot of it private, you still gain some insight and it can really help bring into light some of the aspects of the craft that you're kind of touching on, kind of believing, but never really sure how to give it a name or a space. Um, For example, I think I've always been in the camp of occultists who 
don't really believe that intention is everything and the tools and plants and minerals and household objects that we use and spell work are just an extension of ourselves. I really believe that they're more allies and, you know, have their own spirit and lend their own bit of magic and cooperation when, you know, we tap into their energies and connect with them and co-create magic with them. It's totally okay for people who believe otherwise, but that is something that I always kind of felt, but didn't really know how to um, coherently make it make sense in my mind and in my practice until I listened to you guys. This is all a very long-winded way of me asking you, like, do you get a lot of feedback from people thanking you for helping them see a new way of looking at their craft? Or do you get most, like, do you get a lot of critics who just want to argue their own point of view as opposed to yours uh, when it comes to these things? Well, I mean, uh, you guys probably know as podcasters yourself that you always get both <laughs> very, very clearly. We have gotten a lot of people who have really felt seen and felt relieved in a lot of the ways by, you know, our kind of grounded approach to the craft where it's like, you know, you don't have to always be super ceremonial about it. You can throw certain things in the trash when you're done with them, you know, like things like that. That's been, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. Like, okay, thank you. I've always wanted to do that, but everyone always told me I was wrong and, you know, it had to be way more complicated or things like that. So we've gotten a lot of really good feedback from people who have very much felt seen and heard by a lot of stuff that we put out there. And we do get some people telling us, you know, thank you for, you know, putting it out there that, you know, maybe the magic doesn't specifically just come from you, or maybe, you know, intention is not always everything, you know, we, we like a good, well-rounded approach to the work. And I think that that's something that a lot of people really like to hear. We do, of course, get people who um, would like to argue with us about magic all the time. Um, a, a lot of people have mistaken us for a, a Christian podcast. Um, we have been called uh, Christian supremacists recently, which is hilarious because this was also a person who claimed to have listened to every episode, including the one where Britain talks about how they sold their soul to the devil at the crossroads. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not a, a usual. I don't think you've been um, paying attention. Christian podcast thing here. Um, that's one of those ones where it's like, you know, we simply may not be familiar with folk magic and how it's intertwined with Christianity. But you know, you always get both. You always get both. Yeah. We are fairly new. Actually, I'm I'm fairly new. Amberly started the podcast a while back and started it with the intention of having it like a family-based witchcraft, you know, podcast. And then unfortunately, uh, it turned into just her, you know, doing literally mm -hmm. everything. So she decided to change direction and bring on a co-host. And that's me. Best so, decision uh, ever. <laughs> so it's still fairly new for us. We don't have a lot of people attacking us quite yet. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. I'm sure it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen and it's totally okay when it does. So that that's how you know you're doing something right there. You're giving people stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty basic question. Who is your favorite witchy author? Ooh. This one's always hard. That's a hard, hard one. I, I have so many that I really, really enjoy. You know, one book that I always come back to over and over again, and there's, you, you know, somebody did a magic book right when every time you pick up the book, there's a whole new section in it that you've never seen before, no matter how many times you've opened this book before, somehow new stuff keeps popping up. And you're like, what? I absolutely adore Mary Grace Farron's book on Italian folk magic. It's her only book out and it's beautifully done. It's wonderfully written. It has not only family stories, but great instructions and how to's in the book. 
And I, and every time I come to it, there's a whole nother section that I'm like, how did I not see this before? And it's always usually something I need or something I've been wondering about. So that's how I always feel like the magic is very much present in a text is when they seem to be a little bit alive. So I, I love her work. Um, I've also long-term loved the work of like Orion Foxwood. Via Hedera's book on uh, North American folk magic and the multicultural experience, Mm -hmm. I I can't remember exactly if that's the title, but it's similar to Mm -hmm. that, is also mind-blowing. And she's an excellent writer as well, not just someone who has good info, but she's she's a great writer. So I, I love all of these folks. I'm taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Uh, we're we're uh, very obsessed with books uh, on this podcast. <laughs> Amberly always asks that question, and it's funny because I probably couldn't answer it if I was asked. But I I always like to go back and write down what they said, and then just like get my hands on those books. It's funny that you go back and write it down because I would never have even thought that I could do that while I'm editing. <laughs> I just write it while they say it. That's so funny. I'm so smart. I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> kind of put that degree to use. Yeah, I don't think I could. I, I don't think I can really choose my favorite author either. It's really hard. I'm looking at my shelves of books right now, and I'm just like, I love you all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question on American Brujeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually touched on this topic in the beginning of the book. Um, so I'm asking on behalf of listeners who have not yet read it. So I picked up your book with the intention of gaining some insight into you know the whole world of your craft. Not to adopt a whole new way of performing my own practices. I'm not of Mexican descent. I'm actually Puerto Rican. Um, so I did notice a, a, quite a few similarities, you know, reminding me of things that I noticed my grandmother doing when I was younger. <laughs> but to me, that doesn't mean that I, I can't enjoy learning about another tradition and the evolution of your tradition. Uh, and I think I can certainly support you and your voice by purchasing your book and giving it the praise that it deserves. So what would you say to people who might be feeling like they have no business even holding Holding your book in their hands because there's been so much talk lately about closed practices and appropriation. And um, for the most part, that's coming from a good place, but we do want to be careful not to get too close to separatism. Uh, yes. So what would you say to other non-Mexican American practitioners who are curious about your book, but don't know how to toe the line in between, you know, staying in your lane, but also respectfully showing support for your cultural traditions? Absolutely. I always tell people that reading and education is never a closed practice, ever. Yes. Learning new things, learning about other cultures, learning about other people's practices, if anything, has been shown to actually kind of like decrease racism in communities that have been exposed to other cultures and learned about them. Right. Um, So I highly, highly recommend everyone going out there reading books about other cultures, even if you're not part of them and their magic. You know, right now I'm reading uh, Lilith Dorsey's book on voodoo, and it's blowing my mind because it's stuff that I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. It's a practice that was always very mysterious to me, and I'm kind of learning so much about it. And the thing about closed practices in books is that if there's something sacred that is not meant to be shown to non-initiates, we're not going to put it in a book. Right. And so Good that's point. something important for folks to remember. People are like, but if, if I see the thing, then I've, I've broken some sort of law. And it's like, no, you haven't. We're not going to put anything in there that you're not, that's not supposed to go out to the masses. Right. You know, <laughs> the other thing is, is that this goes back around to supporting authors of color as well. Cause that's something that a lot of us who are authors of color run into is that everyone's like support authors of color, but don't buy their work. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's like, wait, yeah, wait, how, which how one are we doing, doing here? Yeah, that's not how that works. Exactly. Yeah. That's and and that's something that we're kind of trying to fight against. It's like, no, you want, you need to buy your book because that's going to help you figure it out. And I love that you bring up too that like you know you're Puerto Rican. And I, I've gotten so much feedback from people who are from like, you know, Mexican adjacent communities like Puerto Rico, Venezuela, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these areas around here where they're like, um, I was on a podcast with someone whose family was from Peru and they're like, oh my gosh, this book made so much sense. It helped me understand my grandma, you know, yeah. and things like that. Um, so I, I highly recommend to everyone, even if you're not Mexican, even if you're not, you know, any sort of Latino, very much recommend picking up this book and in books by any author of color from any sort of cultural community that you might be be curious about. It doesn't mean that you have to use what's in the book, but you can. And most books will kind of tell you in this day and age how to be respectful around that. In my book, I go into that as well. That's like, okay, how do we use this respectfully? How do we identify if we're culturally appropriating? All of that stuff is present in my book. And something else too that I get is a lot of messages from people who are like, well, like I'm, I'm Mexican and kind of like that only like technical kind of way that like, you know, my great, great grandparents were from Mexico, but I haven't ever been there and I don't feel Mexican enough. And I'm like, baby, <laughs> this book is for you, <laughs> specifically for you. <laughs> Please pick this one up. Um, so yes, even if you don't feel like you are Mexican enough or or the right kind of Latino, or if you feel like you're too white for the book, everyone, please grab it, learn a thing and, and, and be okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I uh, specifically chose this book when I was picking out books to review because my daughter, well, both my children, my children are Latinos. I am not. Um, So I specifically chose it to read and help her learn about her history. But I grew up in the Southwest in New Mexico. And Mm -hmm. this book just was amazing to me because I grew up in Santa Fe for part of my childhood. And this just reeks of Santa Fe, you know? (laughs) Uh, So it was very, it was nostalgic for me. And I just absolutely, I absolutely love it. Oh, thank you so much. And my daughter is not there yet, but I'm going to get her there. (laughs) She, she is, um, she's a witch also, but she just, I, I can't talk her into it yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's like, these things take time. Yeah. Well, she's still in like the crystals stage, you know, like mm. she just, she likes the, I guess the beginner stuff. Really. Yeah. She'll get there. Yeah. I mean, she's 15. I really, really envy that upbringing. Like, oh man, I would have loved to have been raised in a very witchy environment. Um, and which is funny because I do come from a line of witches, but so my, my grandmother practiced Puerto Rican Vudan, and we did not talk about it because the time that I was growing up with my mother, she was married to a Catholic, uh, a Catholic Italian man. So she really put all that away and I was not raised with it at all. Like it was like, here is uh, your, what are those cute little teardrop eyed illustration kids um, that were out? Uh, I can't think of them right now. Um, precious precious moments. moments. Yes. Here's your precious moments Bible and your precious moments Bible coloring <laughs> books and, you know, stay in this area. This is your lane. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't until much, much later when I was already an adult and, you know, sadly my stepdad passed away where my mother started to re-embrace her own, you know, her own stuff. And she is actually what I would consider a Catholic folk practitioner as well. But because I was pretty much denied that kind of upbringing and information, I had to strike out on my own as a young person in the 90s. So guess where I started out? Wicca. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> where we 
we all started. Yeah. So in a very roundabout way, I'm coming back to learning more about those things that I might could possibly have grown up with, but just didn't. And uh, your book is actually very helpful in that area. Good, good. I love that kind of journey back to the reclaiming portion. That's so important because there's so much going out there nowadays about like, well, unless you have this specific genetic makeup or unless you were actually raised in this area or blah, 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 that we don't, we don't make space for the reclaiming because sometimes we weren't raised in it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to go back and find it and then bring it back in. And doing that is so powerful to be able to kind of reach back and kind of fix that broken link. You know, I feel like in a way, losing culture is also one of these, you know, what we're talking about lately of, of generational curses, you know, and you have to go back and you have to fix that and you have to heal that and you have to kind of bring it forth over that kind of chasm a little bit, create that bridge Yeah. Um, yourself sometimes. Yeah, very true. I want to ask you about the new book because I'm really, really excited about it. <laughs> I'm so excited about <laughs> Absolutely. it too. Absolutely. Um, the Witch's Guide to the Paranormal, How to Investigate, Communicate, and Clear Spirits. I am super duper excited about it. Uh, is there anything about it that you'd like to reveal or that you can reveal? I'm not even sure when the release date in the United States is. Anything you want to tell so, us? So it's set to drop September 8th okay. of this year. So we have just a little bit before it comes out. Um, this was a book that I always knew I'd be writing and kind of had planned on writing it for years and years and just kind of, I, it's just information that I feel like needs to be out there because this is this is important work. People don't realize how common hauntings and paranormal activity are in everyday homes. People think this is something that only happens on, you know, old hundred year old Victorian mansions in the forest or whatever. And it's like, no, a great deal of the houses I get called to are in beautiful new construction housing developments, things like that. Like, and it's very, very common yeah. to have this. And I've always been shocked that this information isn't ubiquitous um, and that more witches aren't involved in paranormal investigation. And I, I think that's kind of for a couple of reasons. I think paranormal investigation really prides itself on being super scientific, whether it is or it isn't. Um, there's kind of the, a need to uphold that kind of face in the community. So they tend to shy away from things like witchcraft. At the same time, I've been kind of astonished that a lot of witches believe that paranormal investigation is something that only happens on and for television. And that television representation of paranormal investigation is 100% accurate of the entire community. Mm. And I think as witches, we should know that media representation of certain things is not always right. It's yeah. not always totally true. Oh, Zach Baggins is coming like to Charles. mind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yes. anytime that's that's the thing is i can see people every time i say like oh we should do paranormal investigation or something like that i can see in their eyes that they're just <laughs> having this zach baggins like montage go through their brain and then they're like you know and i'm like no 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 that's not how we do it that in fact i'm trying to not <laughs> do that at all you don't walk in and like just piss everybody off by yelling at the ghosts exactly yeah just show up and start yelling at them that always goes well uh, quit being no. yeah <laughs> right that's something I'm very kind of against. Um, and we talk about that a little bit in the book that, you know, we should we should not um, kind of be doing that. Um, right. Also, you don't have to investigate in the middle of the night. Um, a lot of people really think that it has to be nighttime. It really doesn't. I promise you that the ghosts are still there and during the day. That's when I do most of my investigations. Yeah. But what the book basically goes over is kind of it's it's part getting to know paranormal investigation 
building a team, getting to know the equipment, but also it goes over kind of the four hauntings. What are they? What is a poltergeist? How do you fix it? You know, what do you do if there's a negative entity? How do you get it off of somebody? Things like that are involved in the book, as well as working with clients, because this is a a service job where you are helping people, often people who are scared. And how do we how do we approach that? And also, what are some obstacles that we come up against in there? So it's meant to be like a full handbook for any witch that wants to not just investigate, but also fix the hauntings to do something about it. Because that's been my biggest kind of hang up when it comes to paranormal investigation is people want to go take pictures, but they have no idea how to fix it. Right. And me and my team are very much focused on resolving the haunting, getting the spirits the help that they need, um, getting the living people people the help that they need and clearing up whatever is going on so that everybody can be happy, both the living and the dead and the spirits that are maybe neither living nor dead, um, you know, can all be happy again. And that's kind of what we're striving for. So that's what the book is about. That's what the book will teach you um, and give you some background on how hauntings work, how people get haunted, all the info is going to be in there. I love that. that. Sounds amazing. I love that because we have plenty of books, you know, witchy books where spirit is the focus and it's more about communicating with them and co-creating magic with them and, you know, becoming friends. But what, what about when they don't cooperate and then it starts to get a little uncomfortable and we're not sure, you know, you know, what their motive is and and all that. They don't always Mm -hmm. cover that. I mean, my house was built in 1967 and when we moved in, there was some weird stuff going on and I really just had to assert my assert my position in the household and create an environment of, okay, so this is what we're going with. It's, you know, this is a loving, I'm going to love this house. We're going to, we're going to keep the peace. We're going to keep it clean and clear. And if that vibes with you, then you can stick around. But if it doesn't, sorry. (laughs) And it took, and it's not a one-time thing either. I think it took, you know, about a year for me to really assert my position in this place. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, okay, the house spirits are cool. Right. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it just takes time to get to get to know them. And, you know, of course, discernment is always really important. Um, I'm seeing a lot online right now that's a little concerning as far as paranormal activity is concerned. People will be like, um, send me messages like, hey, like we've lived in this house for a little while and everything's been good. But recently this thing has come in and it's causing all this chaos. So I decided to build an altar to it. Oh, no. And I'm like, let's not do that. Let's not. That's not not always the answer. Sometimes we do have to, you know, get in there and be aggressive and tell some things that they are not super welcome in our home because not everything is our friend on the other side. Yeah, if a burglar tries to break into your house, you're not going to give him some roses and some tea. Um. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is is recently I've seen a big uptick in the kind of cases that we get called about moving away from things like, oh, I was messing around in a cemetery or me and my friends got out a Ouija board and stuff like that. And and nowadays what we're getting more of is me coming to a house and being like, okay, like this thing is telling me it was invited and there's a very specific stink of witchcraft. Um, which one of you in the house is doing witchcraft? And someone's like, well, I guess that's me. And I'm like, mm. okay, well, like what kind of witchcraft are you doing? They're like, oh, just, you know, manifesting abundance. And I'm like, do you, do you have like, 
foundational skills and they're like what's that and i'm like okay so a a lot of times i'm finding that people are ending up with these paranormal or entity issues um, because they're kind of approaching the craft haphazardly and right now we're in a space where witchcraft is being marketed very like this is totally safe there are no rules you can't do anything wrong just dive in head first and then and then they call me because something's going wrong so we're seeing kind of a weird shift in that direction yeah for sure witchcraft 101 should be protection magic and Mm -hmm. then everything else uh and a lot of people are really ignoring that very important first step Mm -hmm. because it's i guess it's i mean i personally enjoy it but i guess it can be seen as not as fun as some of the other things right because it doesn't like necessarily get you anything like money or or you know a relationship or whatever so people are like meh or or they think that because it's a foundational skill or it's quote-unquote basics then if they spend too much time there then they're going to be seen as less than or or whatever people always want to kind of skip over the basics and be you know an expert before they're beginners i'm sure the beginner portion is so important (laughs) (laughs) i'm shape-shifting but i don't know what a word is exactly 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 okay one of my other favorite things is what mundane life thing do you do that you also use as part of your craft like do you have I don't know, like stirring your coffee a certain way or tying your shoe a certain way or anything like that. Uh, For me, it is cleaning because I absolutely hate cleaning my house. But if I can turn it into a magical thing, then I enjoy it a lot more or I feel like I get more out of it. So I tend to make cleaning magical. I tend to make my own cleaners. Um, which is nice because then that way I feel like, number one, they tend to be a little bit more natural. It's not mm-hmm. kind of some mystery chemicals that I'm spraying all over my stuff. I, I know what's in them. And also I feel like I can craft them in a way that, you know, not only is getting rid of, you know, whatever scum is on top of your oven or whatever that you're scrubbing off, but also get rid of any, you know, bad vibes, bad luck, any of that stuff. We can do it at the same time. And then that way I feel extra accomplished when I'm done. What kind of, what do you make your cleaners with? So one of my most favorite ones is I get like one of those big kind of gallon size things, or you can get them in, I think like five gallons or something like that. One of the the big things of white vinegar. And then I pour a little bit out. So you make some room and then I put in, um, I take like two lemons. And so I put in the juice of two lemons and I, then I kind of cut them up and I put their peels in as well. And then I put in uh, rosemary. And then um, sometimes like depending on what's in my garden, I'll put other things in or kind of what I have available, I'll put those in. And I let it sit for about three days. And then I strain it out into um, spray bottles that are diluted with water. So depending on what you're doing, you're going to want different dilutions. But that's a pretty simple one. I also like to work with um, cleaners that are kind of old school, witchy cleaners, things like uh, Creolina and Borax and things like that, that old school witches will be familiar (laughs) with working with those. Um, Highly, highly. I love white vinegar and Borax. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that very, very much. That white vinegar spray. I love that. It's really nice. I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> More notes. Notes, notes, notes. Oh, I was just going to ask you, how are you enjoying Taurus season? <laughs> um, one thing I know about you and your co-host for the podcast, Britton, is that you're both Aries. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, Amberly and I are both Tauruses. And, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> My friend group is made up mostly of 
Taurus folk oh. um, kind of across the board. Cause I, I, I really appreciate how you guys live life and your personalities and all that. And I find that Aries and Taurus tend to team up pretty well. Cause we're both fun. We're both fun. Yeah. And I find that Taurus tends to be like down for most things, but not in like a chaotic kind of way. Like I, I find that Aries and Gemini tend to uh, team up really well together too, but that's only to like, you know, do crime. Um, but like Taurus, <laughs> Taurus, we, we, we kind of stay out of jail um, together. Yeah. But I, I love Taurus season. It's a wonderful time. I'm attempting to grow into luxury this Taurus season uh, a little bit. Yes. We, we got a new house that I, I wouldn't necessarily so they say is, is luxury so much, but it is, is bigger than I'm used to. And I've felt for a while that I'm kind of squatting in someone else's house because I've never been in a house with more than one bathroom before. Um, and the fact that we have two bathrooms is like, I'm like, this can't possibly be. But I'm kind of embracing this tourist season and, and letting myself love the fact that I, I now live in a space with two bathrooms. Yes, um, you deserve it. You've so worked exciting. for it. Right. Absolutely. I have a bathtub now. Like it's just uh, the the luxury. So. Well, congratulations on a new house. That's so exciting. When yeah. You're congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I have an Aries rising, so I I totally get the whole Taurus and Aries uh, working well right. together because it's very much like I have a, a little guy on my shoulder who's just like yeah. don't take any shit. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think. I tell people I'm kind of an honorary Taurus because I really heavy earth placement. So I have, I have my Aries sun, but both my moon and my rising are in Virgo. And huh? so I think the combination kind of like, I, I kind of lean kind of in the Taurus direction a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. I have an Aries moon. Oh yes. Yes. Like that. Taurus and Aries. <laughs> it's good, good stuff. It's horns. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, I said the horns. They both have the oh, horns. Yes. The horns. <laughs> Someone posted this thing once. It was like, like, tell me the signs as other signs. And the one was Aries, Taurus, but faster. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Exactly. I can see exactly. that. That's so funny. Perfect. You go away with that, sir. No, don't take it. Stop. My Newfoundland has all the slobber. <gasps> You have a Newfoundland? I do. He's right here. He is adorable. Look at him. Oh my God, it's a big floofer. Hi. Yeah, he's my good boy. I have just a massive thing for dogs. I'm just saying. I have. Aww. So cute. It's a little bit smaller. This is cutie. Keep very sweet. Cutie, cutie. Mine are not allowed in the room where I am. They keep stealing offerings off of my altar. Well, one of them does. <laughs> so the door is closed because I've got some stuff out. <laughs> That's cute. Roxanne always steals a kibble she puts out for Cerberus. <laughs> cute. I, I mean, like I think I think that seems like uh, actually okay. You know, like maybe. Sharing is caring. Yeah. That's right. I don't think Cerberus mm-hmm. is mad about it. Um, you said your book's coming out September 8th. Yes. It's very exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm very excited about it as well. It's going to be kind of new information and, you know, my perspective is a little bit different than some of the ones that you're going to find out there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with mental magic, which I'm really curious to see how people uh, respond to that. 
because in a lot of ways, when you're out there doing this work, you you can't always count on the fact that you're going to have a specific tool or a specific plant or a specific whatever, because I, I just have a, a rather small doctor bag that I bring with me. But being able to do something like seal a spirit into a specific room with just your mind or a cup of water is something you're going to have to learn to do. And that's something I teach in the book. But also, wow. I, I have a feeling too, at the same time, I'm going to get a lot of people being like, you can't do that without, you know, these things and that stuff and this stuff. Right. And I'm like, but I have been for years and years and years. <laughs> it so, seems to work. Yeah. So it's going to separate, you know, the, the the cans from the can knots in a lot of ways. And I'm sure that's going to cause some disruption. And I'm, I'm very interested to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, that might be good. Stir things up. Ruffle yeah, some feathers. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. um, Amberly and I actually just recently attended a retreat together and, and it was at a bunch of workshops. And the first workshop was um, intro to energy. And the, mm. the facilitator was like, I know that, you know, a lot of people here are, you know, practitioners and maybe even beyond this, but I find that a lot of people don't spend enough time with the basics. And how are you ever going to identify an energy that is not your own until you get familiar with your own energy? And and that was the whole point of the class was getting really familiar with our own energy so that if we're ever presented with someone else's, we can we can really tell the difference. Oh um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great class. It was a great class. And it it's it kind of goes back to, you know, people deciding that they, they want to go out and they, they want to go hunt ghosts. And it's like, how how do you know what you're specifically dealing with if you haven't taken the time to really get familiar with energy, you know, especially your exactly. own? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important to kind of get to know your own energy and kind of getting to know the other the other energies around you. And that's something too that I talk about in my book is it's for me a lot of the time, if I'm gonna identify something like a portal or another entity or a spirit in the home you know, I can do those things psychically, but that's not always an option for people right off the bat, you know? And so something that I offer up in the book too, is like working with like pendulum dowsing while you get used to that, to kind of ease yourself in that direction. Because sometimes you can't just go, oh, I feel a portal in this room. <laughs> and I, I can't always explain to people what that feels like anyway, because they may perceive it differently. They may perceive it as a sound like a washing machine. I, I perceive it like a feeling. Some people may see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of getting used used to that figuring out how you feel it and in the meantime still being able to do the work by doing something like pendulum dowsing is really helpful and that's something i I walk people through in the book as well cool very cool just getting more and more excited about it (laughs) i i'm stoked about it i i have a feeling i'm gonna get a lot of responses that are like why don't you just do the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram instead of all this stuff and i'm like because that's already been put out there that information's already out there Mm -hmm. these are other ways of going about it you know that are possibilities and not everybody wants to do that right (laughs) exactly there isn't one way to do everything and yeah the lesser banishing ritual is great for people who are comfortable with doing it but not everyone i you know i'm not even that familiar with it but at Correct me if I'm wrong, it has to do a lot with calling on the angels to mm-hmm. not everybody is even in the in the area of working with angels. Yes. Right. So, you know, you have to do something that you're comfortable with that feels right and, and mm-hmm. vibes with the rest of your craft. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I did think of a question that Margo was saying that we should ask. How what are your opinions? How do you feel about Mercury in retrograde? <laughs> Oh, my opinions on Mercury retrograde. Um, it's it's an interesting time. I have kind of a love hate relationship with Mercury and retrograde um, because I, I don't like the miscommunication 
I don't like all that stuff. Um, Every time Mercury Retrograde pops around, I see a lot of people being like, now don't blame your bad behavior on Mercury Retrograde. But like, I don't, I don't see people do that a whole lot, but I do see a lot of like miscommunication, which I'm not a big fan of. But what I do love is a good span of time in which it's important for me not to start anything new and to finish things I've already started, which is both kind of a relief for me that I that I can just kind of settle into what I've already had, but also a good reminder for me because as an Aries person, I'm very much like, start the new thing. Wait, that old project's half done? That's fine. Start the new thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and so it's nice to kind of put myself into an area where it's like, okay, let's just work on the stuff that you already have going. And yeah. It's like, ah, okay. There you That's go. a great perspective. Yeah, I I'm going to finish some projects. I know, me too. <laughs> I'm like, huh. Thanks. I tend to play it real fast and loose with the Mercury retrograde though. Like I got married during Mercury retrograde. (laughs) I sign all kinds of contracts in Mercury retrograde. So I, you know, you got to do what you got to do still. That's right. That's right. Life still has to go on, even if you have mush mouth. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Got to do it. That's awesome. I love that perspective. Maybe that's what I will do, Margo. Yeah. On some of the projects that I've started. Yeah. This is really my, my pet project right now though this i shouldn't say it like that it's not a pet project it's just something that i'm working on that i'm a passion project yes a passion project that's better a passion project yeah i was actually born under several retrogrades and that's supposed to mean that those specific retrogrades don't really affect me the way they affect other people it's actually like a time Mm. of clarity for me mercury was not one of them (laughs) (laughs) i was like really Oh, well. Oh, well. That's funny. When I first learned about Mercury, like I didn't even know it was a thing until a few years ago because I was just never, I never followed astrology. To me, it was like astrology was in the 90s when you picked up your Cosmo and you looked at your love astrology for the month. You know, that was my thought on astrology. So yeah, the bedside astrologer. (laughs) When I started uh, learning more about astrology, I actually... I decided I needed to learn more about the Mercury retrograde. And so I, I brought our good friend Teresa onto the podcast and she t- taught us all about it. And I didn't realize that it actually does affect me pretty hardcore. I just yeah. thought I was like a space case, you know? <laughs> <laughs> thought I was just going through something there for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and I was. <laughs> it was Mercury retrograde. <laughs> yeah. Astrology really blows my mind. Teresa put me in a position to learn about myself, uh, admit a few things about myself and figure out where to start, where and how to start, you know, working on myself. It's amazing that you can, you could learn all these things from how the stars were aligned when you showed up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's kind of, astrology is kind of, I always liken it to kind of the user manual that you would get with like your car or whatever yeah. that shows yeah. you all the ins and outs and where everything is and how to work this and how to work that is kind of your own personal <laughs> instruction manual. Yeah. This is really nice. That's funny. For sure. <laughs> okay. So now we've come to the portion of our episode where we share an Oracle card pool and a spell. So last time I pulled from the pure magic Oracle by uh, Andres Ingracia. And this time I'm going to be pulling from the witches of legend Oracle deck by Annabelle Lewis. I actually already went ahead and pulled a card. And it was kind of funny because I, I it crossed my mind for a moment to pull this on purpose. And then I was like, no, I've got to be genuine here. And I 
shuffled the deck and the card came up anyway. So I pulled Medusa. I'm going to go ahead and read for that card. Uh, I'll start with the myth and then give the meaning. So most people know who Medusa is and the tale of her death at the hand of Perseus, who used his shiny shield as a mirror to avoid her deadly gaze. The story told less often is that her origin, and it's a tragic one. Before you read on, be aware that Medusa's tale involves assault. The fullest account of Medusa comes from the writer Ovid. He tells us that Medusa was not born as a monster. She would turn into one. In fact, she was one of the most beautiful women in the world. Despite the fact that she could have any suitor she wanted, she chooses to devote herself as a priestess to Athena, a role that means she had to stay a virgin. The only crime Medusa ever commits is being too beautiful for Poseidon, the great sea god to handle. During a brief visit, he assaults her in the temple. Athena flies into a rage because her temple has been desecrated and takes it out on, you guessed it, Medusa. Athena transforms Medusa's hair into a writhing mass of snakes and curses her with a gaze that turns men to stone. I will note that in some myths, Athena does this to keep anyone from touching Medusa again, but it still seems like a poor move. Almost everyone abandons Medusa to her fate except for a couple of her sisters who stay by her side. They too are changed into monsters. Together, the sisters live on a remote island in solitude until the Greek hero Perseus begins a quest to slay Medusa and bring her head back. When he successfully takes her head, a fully formed winged horse, Pegasus, springs from her neck, shocking everyone, I'm sure. Her head remains deadly, just as a snake's would be. It continues to be a weapon, and in fact, the ancient Greeks and Romans would wear talismans depicting the head of Medusa as a symbol of protection. Throughout the centuries, Medusa's visage has been a symbol of protection and feminine power not to be crossed. If her card is pulled, she is a magical talisman that will ward off any evil coming your way. So that is the Medusa card from the Annabelle Lewis Witches of Legend Oracle deck. Wow. That's uh, timely. Yes, very, very yeah, very, timely. Very, relevant. Very <laughs> timely and very relevant. So, Jay, would you care to share a spell with us for this episode? Um, I would love to share a spell. This is one that I like to work with simply because it incorporates, you know, a, a lot of things that I love in magic. And that's kind of working in threes, working with natural things and kind of combining several things together in order to make something extra magical. Okay. And so this is a simple charm for protection. And for this, you will need a seashell, uh, some type of protective plant, preferably dried and cut, and red thread or red string, more likely. Red string's going to be a little bit more sturdy. But you take your seashell. I like to use the ones that are kind of like um, muscle shells because those wash up on the coast here in Oregon quite frequently. They're very easy to get your hands on, but work with whatever kind of seashell you have. But in that cup, you're going to place your piece of dried protective plant. So for this, I often use like a, a sprig of dried rosemary. Okay. Um, Cause it's, it's a very sturdy kind of plant, very protective. And you slip it into the kind of the cup of the shell and then you take the red string and then you wrap the whole shell all the way around like a cocoon. And then you tie it off at one end, forming a loop so that it can be hung up. And this creates a very protective charm because you have, you have multiple layers. You have the shell, 
which a, a shell is, is something that is constructed naturally to protect the life inside of it, like at all costs. Right. Like, and, and when it comes to shellfish, shellfish are very squishy on the inside. They're very tender. And so the shell is there to make sure that they stay safe throughout the entirety of their life and to kind of ward off any and all attacks from, you know, things like seagulls and other fish and things like that. They're going to try and get at you. So seashells are very, very protective. And then you, when you nestle inside um, a protective plant like rosemary or maybe rue, that's going to add to that. And then red string is found pretty much all over the world as something that is going to repel evil or negative energy or you know bad magic, things like that. Mm-hmm. Red thread and red string is used all over the place to prevent kind of negative magic. And so when we combine all of three, all of these things in a you know, a multiple of three, which is always very magical. Yes. Um, it's going to uh, bring about quite a bit of, of force there in that magic. And so it's very simple to do items. You can usually find either you have on hand or they're easy to kind of come across in nature. And um, yeah, you can just hang that up near your front door or, or maybe in your bedroom, anywhere you feel like you need a little extra protection and uh, live your life. I love that. I really love that. And I love that uh, both the card and the spell were uh, of a protective nature without us planning for that. <laughs> right? That was interesting, too. Yeah. I was thinking that. I was like, well, this this goes actually right along with that. Perfect. That's a, that's a great spell. I'm, I actually am going to try that. I really love that, especially the next time I visit the beach. And over here on the East Coast, mussel shells are, are pretty abundant as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. And they make such good magical tools because they're they're big enough but they're not too big and they're like super sturdy but they're thin enough that if you want to like drill through them to like hang them on something you can right so i I love using them okay so that's that's amazing thank you so much for that well jay thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us today yes absolutely i am a great time very much looking forward to your new book and I am thoroughly enjoying the book that's already out. Yep, mine's right here too. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's just such a cool book. So everybody, go get it right now, immediately. Do it after you finish this reading this pot. Look, Jesus, <laughs> that Mercury is back. Yep. <laughs> and we will be adding it to our resources page. Yes. I have to do a little catch up uh, because we've had a couple episodes that I need to get get on the resources page. But if we talk about a book or a product or something we're drinking, like tea or whatnot, I'm going to stick it on the resources page in case you want to find it and try it and read it or whatnot. Uh, so I will be updating that today. Okay. Well, we greatly appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do this interview with us. Yeah. Very happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me on. Awesome. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Hearth and Hedge, on our website at thehearthandhedge.com, and you can email us at thehearthandhedge at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, consider dropping us a like and a review on your favorite podcast platform. It's totally okay for people who believe otherwise, but that is something that I always kind of felt, but didn't really know how to um, coherently make it make sense in my mind and in my practice until I listened. And can you please let out Roxanne? I think she's. I think she's frozen. Sorry, I was yelling at my son to let out the dog because. Okay. What did it not mute?
No. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I pushed the mute button. I'm so sorry. Well, that's not embarrassing at all. It's all right. That's why we have Zencaster. You can just chop that one. Yeah, <laughs> right. I see how loud that was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll just pop that at the end like I do with you, Margo. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were like, I call bullshit. And I was like, ah. <laughs> Okay, well that's um, that's special. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna back up a couple sentences. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll edit this one if you want. 